Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and best practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. Let's see what the buzz is today. We have a very important topic, and I'm going to look back in history a little bit to set us up. I have a quote from uh, an article by Deloitte I found online very interesting, just coincidentally. Listen up. When Sumerian merchants first recorded livestock sales on clay tablets, I know none of you were alive when that was happening, finance technology was born. 5,000 years later, here we are, and technology has evolved into a new class of digital tools reshaping every aspect of the business. And this was in an article called Digital Transformation in Finance, Projecting Ahead to Finance 2025. So let me give you a little background on what we're going to be speaking about today, and then I will introduce my esteemed panel. And wait till you hear these experts. Got a lot of insights for you. So while pressure is nothing new for your organization's finance leaders, come on, you know who you are, the latest demands related to the code. COVID-19 pandemic require a new way of thinking, very new, and the ability to evolve at the pace of disruption, and that pace is fast. So how can they do it? Your decision makers need to shift their view from this is tough, this is difficult, to different, whole new mindset as they address the challenges. And what's the goal here? Turn them into opportunities to make an impact. They also need to reimagine finance as your organization adjusts to a new way of working and dealing with what is every Everybody dealing with today, supply chain disruptions. One big step we'll talk about is finance leaders can benefit from, I'm going to put quotes around this, command center capabilities that help address staffing needs, leverage analytic solutions for new insights, use cognitive tools to drive decisions, and score quick wins for the business. And those are some of the new class of digital tools mentioned in that quote. I have four finance transformation leaders on the show today. I'm so, so privileged to have them with me. We're going to be hearing in a moment from Kelly Herod and Kyle Cheney at Deloitte and Todd McElhatton and Martin Narashevsky at SAP. So welcome to our listeners around the world. Welcome to our panelists. Kelly Herod, you're up first. Welcome, Kelly. And would you please give us a brief bio of what makes you an expert on this topic and what's your passion for our topic, which is the Kinetic Enterprise Finance in Command. Hi, Kelly. Good morning, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Kelly Herod, and I'm a principal with Deloitte Consulting, and I specialize in global finance transformations enabled through SAP and NextGen solutions. And I'm really passionate about the topic today because I have a love of finance as well as technology. And within Deloitte, I lead our SAP asset and innovation teams. And I really like the, the lens of innovation and what that can mean for finance organizations of the future. Kelly, I've done a lot of shows on finance over the years on my SAP Game Changers shows and and. Uh, finance was often pegged as a laggard in new technology. I'm going to ask you, is that still true or are they catching up? Uh, I would say that they're, they're starting to make strides to catch up. But one of the things, you know, I do want to talk about today is what other things they can do to kind of take that forward and really move the needle so that they're actually leading the innovation with the organization versus being that laggard. Very important. Thank you. Sorry for that sidebar, but I wanted to, I knew you'd have an answer for that. Let's move around the table to Kyle Cheney, also at Deloitte. Kyle, welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, and why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Thanks so much, Bonnie. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show today. I'm a partner in Deloitte's controllership practice. I'm out of Cleveland, Ohio, where apparently it's decided not to snow for a day uh, here. I specialize in accounting and technology and have built my career helping companies around strategy and implementation of financial systems. You know, today we're in a world of big data, and I'm passionate about helping companies manage financial information both efficiently and effectively at enterprise scale, which falls in, in line with our topic today. I started my career at Deloitte in the mid-90s, so I've lived through Y2K, you know, the invention of ERP and, and now the explosion of technologies that we'd call the fourth industrial revolution. So there's a lot to talk about. I think it's an incredibly important time 
for uh, for finance as they guide the organization through not only this crisis but find opportunities to thrive on the other side of this. Thank you very much, Kyle. Do you agree with Kelly that finance is catching up, that they ooh, might have been laggers at some point, but that's what we're all here for, to help get them out of that reputation? What do you think? Yeah, I think they're in the race to catch up. You know, there's they're sh- certainly embracing a lot of new capabilities and technology, um, but they have a ways to go. So hopefully we can provide some inspiration today. I think we're going to, and that's why we're here. Thank you, Kyle. Pleasure to meet you. And now let's go to our two people from SAP, Todd McElhatton. Welcome, Todd. And why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you do and what's your thought on our topic today? So thank you very much, Bonnie. And unlike Kyle, I'm out in California where it's going to be 85 degrees today. And I am the CFO of SAP's Cloud Business Group. And so I lead all of our cloud properties. And what I'm really passionate about is, is we work here at SAP, but just transforming our business. You know, we've gone from a business model that was traditionally an on-premise business model. And, you know, we have totally kind of changed our business from a standpoint of going from an upfront sales model to where we are rapidly providing services over time. And, and I really enjoyed working with the company. And as we, you know, transition into, you know, our business model of going to a cloud business, you know, it's totally changed the systems, the way that we look at our business, how we forecast, how everything in the company operates, and it, you know, impacts our financial results and our people. So I, I really enjoy working with everyone on, you know, leading the business through that transformation. Thank you very much, Todd. This is indeed a time of transformation. We've talked for years, I think you all know this, about disruptive technologies. Well, now the world is disruptive. We'll just leave that one there, but that's part of looking through the lens of the pandemic and what is it doing for business. Thank you, Todd. Pleasure to have you. And now let's move around the table to our fourth seat. We have Martin Narashevsky. Martin, you and I connected a couple of years ago on Game Changers Radio, so happy to see you here. Martin, in case there's someone who doesn't know what you do, why don't you bring us up today? Right. Um, yeah, Martin Arashevsky. Um, I'm leading as a general manager the line of business finance globally of SAP. This is essentially the product area, um, yeah, the product portfolio that is catering for the broader responsibilities of the CFOs of our customers from um, accounting to treasury to um, tax and um, high volume billing and also um, governance, risk, compliance, security. So it's a pretty broad and diverse portfolio. I'm in the finance space for the last 10 years and before that had various um, corporate and consulting roles, not within finance, but always in close connection with finance departments. So as you can imagine, in this time frame, I've seen a lot of finance transformation. And whenever you think um, there's been so much progress in the last couple of years and isn't that saturating at some point in time, then there is something new, sometimes exciting and positive, sometimes not so positive, but nevertheless, new challenges coming up. Um, that give us and um, teach us different angles um, how finance transformation has to further evolve. Very, very interesting. Thank you very much, Martin. Pleasure to reconnect with you. If you're just tuning in, this is the Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. And our topic today is a very important one for companies around the world, the Kinetic Enterprise Finance in Command. And that may be a leap of faith for a lot of people in finance, but that's what we're talking about. My panelists today are Kelly Herod and Kyle Cheney from Deloitte and Todd McElhatton and Martin Narashevsky at SAP. Kelly, uh, this is the part of the show where we talk about the quotes you each sent me. We're just going to briefly find out what this quote means to our topic. And you have sent us a quote from Walt Disney. He is the most quoted person on all of my radio shows these days. Walt Disney, in case anybody doesn't know, Walter Elias Disney, 19. 1901 to 1966, animator, writer, voice actor, film producer, and a pioneer in the American animation industry. Everybody knows Mickey Mouse. He holds the record for the most Academy Awards earned by any individual ever, 22 Oscars from 59 nominations. Here's the quote Kelly has selected from Walt Disney. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Kelly, please apply this to our topic today, Finance in Command. Yes. So I, I actually chose this because I, I think it speaks a lot to innovation. And, you know, I was reflecting on, you know, over my career with all of the variety of transformations that I've led for many finance organizations, there's oftentimes, especially as finance and accounting professionals, where, you know, we're very organized and detailed and, and very numbers driven. And so there could be a tendency to 
want to move forward um, in an innovative way, but sometimes we can get bogged down and, and start kind of spending or taking too much time in the details and planning. And I love this quote to kind of trigger a, a shift in the mindset to say it's, it's also about how do we accelerate getting to value. So sometimes it's about quit talking and just actually begin doing and taking a little bit more of a startup mentality, especially when you're thinking about what's the actual technologies and solutions that your finance organizations of the future need to have. You know, when I look at the situation now that we're all going through, managing through the, the crisis of COVID, in crisis, we're able to make quick decisions and move quickly to change things. As we come out of this on the other side, my hope is that all finance organizations are able to kind of remember that speed and that acceleration and what they were actually able to do and carry that forward so that they can continue to evolve themselves as finance organizations that are dynamic, flexible, nimble, and able to actually be leaders in innovating and making changes within their organizations. Thank you, Kelly. A lot of good optimism in what you shared. We love the quote, so thank you very much. Let's move around to Kyle Cheney, also at Deloitte. And Kyle has sent us a quote from somebody who I don't think ever has been quoted on any of my shows, Kyle. It's Jack Nicholas. Jack William Nicholas, still very much alive and, and uh, putting, I should say. Born in 1940. He's nicknamed the Golden Bear. American retired professional golfer, considered one of the greatest golfers of all time. Over a quarter of a century, he won a record 18 major championships, three more than Tiger Woods. We'll leave that there. So here's the quote. It's short and sweet. Here's the one from Jack Nicholas that Kyle Cheney has selected. Concentration is a fine antidote to anxiety. Ooh, Kyle, how does this relate to our topic, finance in command? Go ahead. Well, Bonnie, honestly, I probably landed on this quote out of my dreams of watching professional sports these days. <laughs> but it has a uh, it has a personal connection for me. I was born near Murfield Village Golf Club in Ohio, known as the course that Jack built, and named after the famous uh, Murfield Links in Scotland. I grew up watching Jack on his path to winning the eighteen majors, and was always really impressed with his calm focus in those times of really extreme pressure. I think that channeling our concentration at stressful times is a skill that has a lot of health benefits. And the quote hits home for me now, not not um, literally because we're working from home, mm-hmm. but because I, I feel very fortunate to you know have my health, the ability to work. And the teams that I'm working with week in and week out are, are really contributing to a better response to this crisis and hopefully a better world afterwards. So I think that that concentration can be a healthy distraction Uh, from what's around us. It can be therapeutic. And today with the pandemic, we have a lot of reasons that we could, uh, that could drive anxiety. So the quote really resonates for me right now, Bonnie. Kyle, I think it resonates with everybody. I want to write it up or I like to say crochet it on a pillow or paint it on a wall and, and just look at it all the time. It really is it's applicable to our lifestyles right now as well as to business. Thank you so much for that quote. Lucky you growing up near where you did. How about that? Todd McElhatton has sent us a quote. Todd, I did my research. Forgive me. Everybody thinks it was from Winston Churchill, but it actually is not. But we're going to say popularly attributed to Winston Churchill. We'll go with that. It was in circulation in 1943 in a Christian science periodical, but there was no specific attribute to the person. So I'm just going to read the quote. It's a cool quote. If you're going through hell, keep going. Todd, talk to me about this quote. Interesting for our times today. Go ahead. Well, Bonnie, I think it's really relevant. You know, when we think about that, that's kind of attributed back to the time during World War II when times were really tough. And I think people needed to have a vision of where do we need to go and that, you know, although we've got a ton of challenges today and, you know, when I talk to my coworkers, employees, customers, you know, there's just a whole different set of challenges with people. You know, people are scared for their health. You've got people that are scared for their jobs. Companies are replanning. You know, we look at customers and I look at peers that are having to rip up an entire year's worth of plans, yeah. you know, trying to, you know, in some cases, you know, you've got companies that are trying to figure out just how they're going to survive. And in other cases, you've got companies that all of a sudden are seeing an absolute avalanche of business or needing to have supply chains disrupted. So I think you take a look and say, you know, the business world has changed. You've got people working at home. 
You've got, you know, husbands, wives, partners, along with kids and schooling. And it's a really challenging time for people. But I think, you know, it's really important that everybody understands, hey, you, you, we've got to all stay focused on, you know, what needs to happen in the end. And I know this is a really challenging time for people, but I think that uh, it's kind of relevant in this day. It's very, very relevant, and I'm so glad you picked the quote, and I appreciate that. Martin Narashevsky has picked a quote also from Winston Churchill, and it looks like this might be one that he really said. So let me just give a little bio here. Sir Winston Leonard Spencer, hyphen Churchill, 1874 to 1965, British politician, army officer, writer, and the prime minister of the UK from 1940 to 45, and again from 51 to 55. And in his first stint, he led Britain to victory in World War II. So here is the quote Martin has selected. The longer you can look back, the farther you can look forward. Martin, please tell us how this relates to our topic today. Yeah, looking forward, I think this is something everybody of us would like to do. Um, this is times that are unprecedented, as has been said many times. Um, no one of us has seen this before. And as was mentioned before, this is naturally creating also anxiety. Um, what this quote is meaning, and it's also coming in certainly out of a tough environment, is um, there's a lot that can be learned from the past. Certainly, we will reinvent a different future with what we're doing here, what we need to do here. But nonetheless, if you look at it with a little bit of a distance, there's a lot that can be learned from the past and get a compass, so to say, from, from these learnings. And apart from the situation we're here, actually, I like this quote also um, because I, I tend to prefer to first think long-term where you need to head before doing the short-term things. And here again, you need to have a compass. And it looks like this quote is really applicable, um, not just in politics where it's coming from or general crisis, what we have today, but I also find over the years a lot of truth in that, um, also in the work within finance. You know, I, I need to say a lot of, uh, quite a few of the most insightful financial analysis that I've done in my job here at SAP um, was really done with analysis that was looking at things from a long-term horizon. Mm -hmm. So really looking back into the past, now talking again about finance, which is the main subject here, looking back into the past, learn from that, and then um, take the right learnings for the future. There's a lot in that. You know, so comes maybe also a little bit personally because despite the fact that I, my job and my passion is to help create and innovate for the future, I'm also interested in a lot of history and so um, found also personally a lot of learning. Yeah. Thank you. Great quotes. I appreciate the time each of our panelists spent researching and or just finding your favorite quote. They all worked so well with our topic. Thank you. Now it's time for our roundtable, and I'll tell our audience that I've asked each of our esteemed panelists to send me four statements on, with their point of view about the topic. What's important to them? What do they want you, our global business audience, to know about? We're going to go around the table in the same order. And Kelly Herod, I'm looking at your statement number two because I would really like to talk about this right now. So let me read it and then you You'll expand it, and then we will briefly go around the table and see if anybody has anything to add. So Kelly told me, over the years, we've spoken a lot about the four faces of the CFO, Chief Financial Officer, Operator, Steward, strategist and catalyst and she says the current crisis is reiterating the need for CFOs to be catalysts and strategists ultimately the insight leaders of their organization Kelly please tell us more so on this one um, we we've had a, a model with the four faces and we do a lot of surveys of CFOs on a quarterly basis to also get a flavor and an understanding of where do they actually see themselves spending a lot of their time? And, and it's kind of interesting because it really depends on kind of what's happening in their specific industry or what may be happening from a, a holistic economic perspective, what we find. But a lot of times there's a heavy, heavy focus on the operator and the steward portions of the job. And especially in a time like now, um, when we're, we're going through a lot of crisis management, both of those would clearly be um, a large portion of their activities. But as we're starting to look at what does it look like to actually kind of come out of this, I actually think the steward and strategist, or excuse me, the strategist and catalyst, you know, mm -hmm. portions of the role are going to be even more important. And I think the CFOs that are able to kind of take this moment and think about how they use the financial insights in their organization to really help lead the organizations out of this. But in cases where you may see that a company used to manufacture X, but during this crisis, they've switched over to helping manufacturing of, you know, protective equipment 
or maybe other things that became in demand, it may actually open the door to new business models, business ideas for that organization. And I think just overall, we're going to see that organizations are going to think about becoming more nimble. And so I think the CFO plays a big role, though, in helping figure out that strategy and then also helping to, to have the ability and have the solutions technologies and the talent to quickly model scenarios to kind of help the company make decisions on where they may go next as they're kind of rebounding coming out of the COVID impacts. Thank you so much, Kelly. Great points. Let's quickly go around the table and get some agree or disagree statements or raise the bar. Kyle Cheney, thoughts about what Kelly just shared? Go ahead. Yeah, I agree. I think the CFO is extremely visible right now. I think these companies are facing such intense headwinds um, and the challenges are differing depending on what industries they're in. So there, you know, are just a lot of unknowns uh, ahead. The, um, the CFO's ability to lead from the front with scenario planning, forecasting, profitability analysis, um, really guiding the ship uh, emphasizes that strategist and catalyst role. I think it's it's really elevated, needs to be elevated today to uh, to get through this as effectively as they can. Thank you very much. Todd McElhatton, join us, please. Thoughts? You know, Bonnie, I think you're also seeing the CFO during this time, you know, absolutely take the lead in being a strategist. You know, when I start thinking about some of the things that um, I'm doing, you know, in addition to thinking about my company, I'm thinking about my customers and, you know, they're coming to us with different requests and, you know, I need to understand how those requests might impact my company, but I also need to think about it, you know, as we go through this and when we get to the end of the crisis, you know, how will the, what shape will those customers be in? How do I make sure I retain those customers? And, you know, what does my business look like going forward? So, you know, I'm finding that we're needing to, as CFOs, you know, think not only just about our own companies, but think about our customers' companies and, you know, where we come out on the other side. Thank you. Good insights there. And Martin Arashevsky, join us. What do you think? Yeah, I think I need to further raise the bar here. Um, yeah, absolutely. I see it the same way. I mean, we have seen quite a bit of um, business transformation or finance transformation before the crisis that was focusing on automation, improving internal processes, which is a groundwork, extremely important. But we saw already at that time how with the digitalization, the role of the CFO was evolving in helping companies do this transformation. Now it's a totally different, it's maybe not transformation, but short-term reaction. And it's just adding further to what um, the CFOs need to um, contribute. And maybe just coming back to the quote from earlier, um, yes, the CFOs need to lead from the front, but they are the ones who sit on the data, who can learn the best from what happened in the past, um, maybe events that were not just yesterday, a little further um, apart and, and seeing the patterns behind that, the learnings from that and, and steer with information. Um, so information is even more important now for, for the company than it was already before. And here the CFO is the person to drive this insight. Yeah. Thank you, Martin. Kelly, you started a great conversation. Anything you want to add before I move on? I, you know, I love just uh, one point that, you know, Martin, you just brought up as well about, about the data and the analysis. I think the only thing I would kind of close with is I think the CFOs that actually had already invested and kind of put in place those automations and enabled themselves to have the real-time data, you know, they, they are absolutely going to be ones that come out ahead on this. And so those that may not have quite gotten there yet, now's the, the time to to kind of buckle down, focus on that, because it will be a game changer for the future. Thank you, Kelly. Let's move on. Kyle Cheney, I'm looking at statement number two you sent me. This looks like something we haven't talked about yet. You said, the cost of living with numerous and disparate financial systems just went up significantly. Kyle, tell us more, please. So, Bonnie, this is in the spirit of straight talk on the show today. You know, I, I've been around this for, for many years, and I'd say that operating and maintaining multiple core, we're talking about core financial systems or ERPs, it's been a necessary evil for a lot of companies over the years. It could have been how they've grown up through uh, mergers, acquisitions, and obtained various different systems that they run their business on. That, um, that heterogeneous systems environment takes a toll on the company in a lot of ways. It, it's a high cost of maintenance. 
there's uh, a lack of kind of agility and speed of, of inquiry and decision support, being able to move flexibly through data to make optimal decisions. And I believe that that cost impact is significantly greater during the recovery from a crisis when optimal decisions are truly at a premium. Thank you. Very interesting. Todd McElhatton, please join us. Thoughts about what Kyle just shared, please. You know, I think I would jump in, you know, to me, the financial cost is more on that speed and agility that Kyle talked about. You need in this environment to be able to very quickly understand what does your demand look like and based on what your demand is looking like, make decisions really quickly. And I think in this crisis, you know, we're going to see that days matter and, you know, companies mm-hmm. that can get their arms around things much quicker are going to be the ones that do a better job planning and come out much stronger on the other end. So I, I couldn't agree more with what Kyle just said. Thank you. Good points there. Martin Narashevsky, join us. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, it looks like there's pretty much agreement on that topic. Um, I, I agree that the cost of running the system is important, um, but this is not the main point. The main point is really the cost of what it means to the business of not having the agility, of not having the insight, and the insight is now the critical piece. Think about uh, liquidity management. Think about um, cash management. What money do you have where? This is becoming pretty much real time. Um, so when we started um, talking about real time reporting, I got quite a bit of questions. Do we really need this? Profitability is not changing that much from one day to another. Now we are in a situation where this real timeness, maybe not on the profitability side, but more on, on the liquidity side and the cash side, has become extremely important. And here um, the system environment uh, is creating a lot of indirect costs this way if it's not set up in a way of providing this information. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Kelly, join us, please. What do you think? So probably just to, to add on, I, I definitely agree with all the points. I also think as organizations start coming out of this, we're also going to see an uptick in mergers and acquisitions. And mm. so having the, the insights and the information you need to be able to make decisions on those is going to be important. Um, so we may be a, a little bit of a ways off from the, the mergers and acquisitions, but we absolutely will see those um, rise as we come out of this. Thank you. Love that optimism always, Kelly Harrod. Thank you. Kyle, any thoughts back to your co-panelists on your topic? Yeah, I'd say that, you know, moving towards that um, that single platform for your financial systems is not an easy thing to do. It's It's tough and it takes... Uh, the intuitive qualitative decision making, as well as, you know, companies desire to find the hard return and ROI. And I think, you know, coming out of a crisis like this is a good time to reflect on, you know, where you're at and, and where you want to place the value in your organization if you have opportunity to, uh, to improve in this area. Thank you. Great topic around the table. I'm going to move on, Todd McElhatton. I'm looking at your statement number two. Just happens to be one I think it would be very appropriate to talk about. Todd says, investments in technology offered the highest ROI, return on investment, during the last recession. These investments allow organizations to be prepared for the unimaginable and execute during those times. Todd, you're preaching to the choir, but go ahead, tell us. Give us more, please. Very interesting. No, I think this goes along with where Kyle was just speaking. You know, if mm-hmm. we think about the investments that we've made within SAP, the fact that we have all of our data in real time, you know, we can very quickly understand what does our pipeline look like? Where does it where is it changing? We can very quickly understand which customers do we have that are at risk? Where do we need to focus on, on collecting our cash? What changes do we need to make in our plan right now? And I think, you know, we were able to literally, you know, within a few weeks kind of reassess what we needed to do during the year. And you think about from a standpoint of all the time that goes into putting together your annual plan and literally from early March to the time you got to April 1, you've pretty much replanned that and sat there and said, okay, you know, we've got a new roadmap and we've got to march to a different direction based upon, you know, an external situation as we discussed earlier that, you know, no one foreseen. And quite frankly, you know, none of us have ever dealt with this in our career. And I think technology, you know, to give you that flexibility and to run the analysis and to, and to run different scenarios and to put that all together and be able to communicate it to the leadership team and then for the leadership team to be able to communicate that down to everybody in the organization so everyone knows what we need to execute on 
is really going to be a competitive advantage. And I think that, you know, companies that have enabled themselves to do that are definitely going to be the ones that come out on the winning side of this. Thank you, Todd. What if takes on a whole new meeting. I love the way you say meaning uh, prepared for the unimaginable and execute during those times. Let's go around the table and get some reactions here. Martin Narashevsky, thoughts about what Todd just shared, please. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, can, can, um, cannot agree less. The key question, I think, and that was mentioned in, in one of the statements before, is if you have invested in the, in the last couple of years and you have this platform, then that's good. And there's still a lot of challenge to, to get what you um, need and so on. But um, what should be done first if um, you have maybe not yet started as much um, in the past and there's a little bit more to, to catch up here? And I think this is a very relevant question we're seeing in this context. A lot of the things are understandable now and, and there's a buy-in, but how can I get started quickly? And clearly, and this is coming back to Todd's point, the planning space is certainly an area where um, getting the planning system into shape um, that has the most immediate benefits. Um, I would also say uh, insight into cash and everything um, associated to these topics is something of, of very immediate um, benefit and that could be a starting point for building further on this but the key question is how can I for many companies how can I manage the crisis on the one hand side where I have a lot of short-term needs and continue building this platform which is needed for a better system to to have this access to information and so on and do this now at the same point in time and what are the right um, steps here I think that is a very relevant question um, just to add to the support of, of what was stated before. Thank you very much. Kelly Herod, please join us. Thoughts? So I, I think that one of the other things we're, we're learning during this time where everything and all of our work is virtualized, it's allowing us to also realize the process or the methods we use to actually build these platforms that everyone's just been talking about. Those are actually also going to shift as we come out of this. And, you know, if I, if, like, historically speaking, right, it used to be that if we were going to go in and, you know, update or modernize our financial core, it could sometimes turn into this five to 10 year journey at organizations. Um, that, that time is gone. And I think coming out of this, even, we will see significant acceleration in how quickly core financials could be stood up. Um, to Martin's point, how quickly planning, um, cash, treasury type functionality can all be stood up. Um, I think the virtual nature of being able to do a lot more of that work and improving or kind of demystifying, there used to be this you know, perception that when you're doing things like that, everybody needs to come together physically in the same location to do it. You know, we're proving that that's not needed whatsoever. And, and actually, if we start thinking about the art of the possible, I think as long as organizations focus on it, it ties back to the kind of the theme of this entire show around the kinetic enterprise. You know, if you think about finance, the kinetic finance organization would be putting in a core that's clean. So keep all of the customizations out. So you have the flexibility to make changes as needed for the business. It would be intelligent. So we absolutely need to automate as much as possible. And that includes automate how we stand up the core financial system it also needs to be inclusive. So leveraging, um, we haven't talked too much yet about cloud, but you know, cloud is the future and it does give us mm -hmm. more flexibility and options. And then the last thing is, you know, it, it needs to be um, responsive as well. So I think that as we come out of this, those finance organizations that maybe hadn't completely made the move or modernized their core financials in ways Kyle was talking about of, you know, even consolidating down to one, they're actually going to have some really accelerated options that they can start thinking about so that you come out of this with a lot of learnings, but next time you're ready, you have all the data at your fingertips, the real-time information, so that you can be focused on making those business decisions. Thank you, Kelly. Great input. Kyle Cheney, thoughts, please. 
Sure. And as a finance technologist, I'm quite biased in favor of, of this one. You know, I think the themes here are consistent. The, the companies that uh, I work with that have invested in this area are, are very appreciative and thankful that they have done mm-hmm. that. Areas of advanced planning, the forecasting, you heard scenario modeling, they have a better pulse on cash management, liquidity, you know, the areas that are so important today. I think the the pessimistic view could say, well, hindsight is 2020, right? Um, I would encourage our audience to think about how do you use that hindsight going forward, right? How do you learn from this so that you can make investments um, where you need to that are really going to pay off in the difficult times? Thank you very much. Uh, Todd, anything you want to say back to your co-panelists? Really good conversation around the table. Anything you want to wrap up with this one? No, you know, I think the one thing that Kelly hit that really resonated with me was, you know, speed. We're going to go much quicker as we go forward. I think, you know, we've seen that we can be very agile and move quickly during this crisis. And I think the other item that I really resonated with me that Kelly mentioned was the fact that, you know, we've all been able to do this in a very virtual environment. So I think we're mm-hmm. going to really reimagine how we can manage things and how things and how work can get done in the future, because I think we've all seen that we've been able to come together and do some pretty incredible things in circumstances that frankly we wouldn't have been able to do, you know, either even five or 10 years ago. Thank you very much. Good around the table. Martin Narashevsky, I'm looking at your statement number three, a couple of key points in here I don't think we've covered yet. Let me just read it and then you can chime in and we'll go around the table. You say the current crisis will change the focus on what finance transformation is about. And that's what we're talking about. Cost savings by automation will remain important. Yes, we've said it. But here's here's the point I want you to bring up. Questions of more real-time access to information, capabilities to manage risk and cybersecurity, as well as the ability to run the business in a more virtual way will become even more crucial. Martin, please unpack this for us, as they say on the news. Yeah, as I started really mentioning before, um, a lot of finance transformation I've seen um, before the crisis was really focusing on, on this cost aspect. Very important, no doubt. But we talked that a lot around in the show here how much the access to the right level of information is important. Absolutely. And the other aspect is really, and this is coming back to the point that was just made in the previous statement, the ability and the virtues of working virtually, so to say, in an online, this is now becoming a necessity. And... Um, We've seen quite a few companies who are now seeing that they're struggling to make this happen. On the other hand, we've also seen ourselves and, and a lot of our customers are seeing this, the potential of doing this. We just conducted a, a customer advisory council purely virtual. Why do you need to travel for such an event? Um, and I think there will be a lot of um, further, so to say, thinking going more in this direction. How can I make my processes robust? Um, I see a lot of concern about potentially um, cyber criminals exploiting the situation that people work from home. So this would be a cycle. Um, we see now how good it is or how what's possible working um, remotely. There's a need to do it. But then on the other hand, there's lots of challenges for many companies implementing this. And I think the focus of finance transformation will go more in this direction, making this working model more robust, more flexible, rather than just taking the costs out of it, which is still important, but the focus will probably change a little bit. Thank you, Martin. Let's go around the table and see what, first of all, Kelly Herod, thoughts about what Martin just shared? I, I definitely uh, agree with Martin, all the points that you made. I, I think also, given the virtualization of work and the, the cybersecurity threats, I think CFOs, it's going to be even more important to team and partner with the chief risk officers as well as the CIOs in thinking about, you know, what's what are the technologies that need to be in place to enable that appropriate um, virtualized work? Um, with many organizations, they already use a lot of you know, shared service models or have moved work to different parts of the world. But this is such a unique situation where you're talking about each individual being able to work from their actual home and each of them having different infrastructure setups at their home. And so I, I do think a lens the CFO needs to think about is that working relationship and partnership with the, the risk officers, CIOs, what can proactively be done to enable you know, more of this um, in the future in a successful way that protects data and information of organizations. Thank you, Kelly. Kyle Cheney, love to get your thoughts. 
certainly, uh, you know, we're seeing companies definitely more interested in this this shift in finance transformation, moving applications to the cloud. Uh, we hit on improving planning capabilities and analytics, uh, the virtual, you know, workforce model. The, the caution flag that I would throw in here is I think that the process automation still needs to continue. And the reason I believe that is because that is what frees up human capacity, right? That's what frees up our talent to be able to have the, the right people to focus on those shifts. And so I think um, it's, a, it's probably a balanced equation here um, where you continue with process automation to, to keep your people freed up to be able to, uh, to perform a lot of these higher value activities. Thank you very much. Todd McElhatton, what do you think? And even when they do have the equipment, you know, are they in a place, you know, do they have housing? Do they have you know, the ability with their family to actually do the processing work that needs to be done? The other thing that we've seen is, you know, do they even have the Wi-Fi capability? So I think, you know, these are things we'll have to think about as we manage risk as we go forward because um, these are things that, you know, we've seen in certain businesses and certain companies, um, you know, where they weren't prepared for and, and how do we address that? And I think there's also you know, some regulatory issues that we'll have to take a look at from a standpoint of, you know, how is data being handled and, you know, all of a sudden it's outside of potentially the company's firewalls and, you know, what concerns does that have and, and what type of data are you able to, to access in different places. So I think this is also going to open up a lot of different questions and thoughts that uh, we haven't thought about up to now. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Martin, you want to wrap this one up? Good good around the table. What do you think, Martin? Comments back? Yeah, um, I think, um, well, a lot has been said here. I would like to comment on the one thing about the balanced view with the automation. Absolutely, this is correct. So um, both from the perspective um, that, so to say, um, the cost savings um, free up the capacity in order to do the other stuff, but also from the other perspective, from the broadness, from the flexibility, um, the security, automation does play an important role. So automation um, will be very important, but maybe... Um, with the additional focus, let's put it like this, to not only look at how much um, savings do I get from this, but what is the right amount of automation that I need in order to get to this flexibility, agility, and so on. So it has both dimensions, so to say, and, and both are important. But my point was only that uh, the other dimension about prioritizing the, so to say, the initiatives to what is really crucial from also the robustness and flexibility inside perspective that um, can shift the conversation a bit. But yes, automation will still be very important. Thank you, Martin. Todd, I found something here in your notes, your statement number four, uh, the human side. Let's talk about this briefly, and uh, then we'll be almost up to our predictions round. Let's see if we can squeeze in one or two more topics. Todd told me, he said, leading in times of crisis separates good leaders from bad ones. In the current environment, empathy, clarity, and trust are table stakes. Todd, good points. What do you think? You know, I think that one of the things that we've found is it's really important to understand where our people are, you know, to understand where they are, because it's a challenging time for all of these people. And, you know, it's a totally different set of situations. You know, I, I know when I talk to certain employees, you know, it's amazing what you have people going through. We've got some people that have been impacted by the virus, and, and that's a totally different set of challenges that they're facing. And, you know, you need to be respectful of that and understand what needs to happen to get through there. You've got other people where they are, you know, seeing a significant financial impact, whether it be to our customers, whether it be to, you know, somebody, their partner or spouse is all of a sudden not working. Um, and so I think it's really important during these times to make sure that we can get in the shoes of our employees and understand what's going on in their life and that we can be a leader to help them, you know, get what they need to get and make sure that we provide them the tools that they have and that we're able to take everybody through the process that we need to get through over the next couple of weeks and months. Being a true leader on the human side, too. Let's just quickly go around the table and get comments. Martin, agree or disagree with what Todd just shared? Yeah, absolutely agreed. Um, anxiety, as I was said earlier, is really not a good basis um, for, so to say, great working together. And, and there's lots of reasons for anxiety for employees, no question about that. And from that perspective, it is very important um, as a leader to create this environment where despite of all of the reasons for anxieties, anxiety is not prevailing and um, focus is getting back to, to making the best out of the situation, driving it forward. And if I just compare where we are today compared to where we started when, when the lockdown started and people 
needed to get um, into a working mode with the kids maybe being at home and the partner also working um, from home and all of that. Um, that has, of course, created a lot of uncertainty and, and maybe also anxiety, but at least uncertainty. And I need to say, very proud also how in the environment in seeing our company, we've managed to to get them, most of them where, where the environment is, is allowing this into a mode um, to be very productive and, and ease back, so to say, lower this anxiety, see the confidence. It's also a working model that's functioning. Certainly, there's still a lot of uncertainty, but I would say I see this very positive what has happened, but it is all the consequence of communication of leadership, as was said before. Yeah. Thank you. Kelly, join us, please. Kelly Harrod, what do you think? So I, I absolutely agree with, with Todd's statement and would, it, would extend it. I know earlier Todd talked about, you know, our customers and the view and, and how we're making sure we're thinking about them, putting ourselves in their shoes. I think the, the check-ins on our customers are equally important. I also think that, you know, one of the things that's been honestly special about how everyone and organizations have come together in this current situation is even that kind of peer-to-peer connection. So in places where we, you know, in normal times are all competing with each other and our competitors, um, that actual personal touch and reach out to appear at what, what, what is a competitor to get some key learnings and lessons that could be applied. You know, I've definitely seen an increase in that with the CFOs I work with, um, you know, a, an, even a, a desire and ask to create more communities or introductions between them to be able to share thoughts and ideas because at the end of the day, all organizations need to come together to, to help us all navigate through this. Very well put. Kyle Cheney, want to wrap this up for me? You know, I saw a recent U.S. news article titled, This is Not an Extended Spring Break or Holiday, mm. right? And I think that's exactly right. This is a time when leaders lead. They step up. They find ways to support their people, first and foremost, uh, to achieve results and uh, to to shift and build a better future. So, uh, yeah, 100%. Thank you very much. We just have enough time for a prediction from each of you. Uh, We're going to keep it to about 30 to 45 seconds. I know that's hard because you're all such eloquent speakers and deep thinkers, but let's see what we can do. So Kelly Herod at Deloitte, let's go around the table, start with you. What do you predict this topic of finance in command? Uh, is it, are we there yet? Will it happen in the next 10 minutes, in the next week, by the end of 2020? How fast will uh, companies, will CFOs see the light and progress? Kelly Herod, you're up first. 30 seconds, predictions, go. Um, I, I predict that, you know, by the end of this year and coming out of this, we, we now have different expectations from customers, whether that be B2C related or B2B, that their expectations of being able to track the details of the supply chain and where products, inventory, things are in relation to actually getting delivered to them um, have changed. And I think that that's going to drive the need for CFOs and finance organizations to ensure they've got the right technologies in place to be able to support their supply chain organizations. Thank you very much. Kyle Cheney, 30 seconds. What do you see in the future? Yep, I predict that by the end of 2020, finance will begin to pivot to integrated solutions in the cloud. So integrated solutions in the cloud. And if we look at history, you know, back in the 90s, we had on-premise point solutions that started to become integrated into what we called ERP. Since then, we developed a mix of on-premise and point solutions in the cloud. And I think turning the corner out of this uh, crisis, we're going to see more of these cloud applications existing but being integrated together. So core financial systems, close automation, consolidation and planning, reporting automation, um, being tied together in the cloud. I think there's tremendous benefits in agility, having a more location-independent workforce, secure, accessible information, and, and that end-to-end process visibility and execution that our clients are always looking for. Thank you very much. Todd McElhatton, 30 seconds. What do you see? I'm going to keep it to 30 seconds. I think at the end of this crisis, you're going to see the end of the static long-term planning process. I think we've seen that we can be super agile and that we can change on a dime. And I think people are going to take a look at these one and three year plans and they're going to go out the door and we're going to go to a much more uh, robust, agile planning process. 
And I think people are going to say that, you know, we were able to use this for defensive purposes in the coronavirus, but as we move forward, we're going to be able to use it in an offensive way to take advantage of changing market situations. Mm, interesting. And Martin Narashevsky, you get the last word. I can actually give uh, you 60 seconds. Go ahead, Martin. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, well, if the current crisis will give a significant boost to digitalization overall in finance, but also beyond, um, it has really painfully exposed the digital shortcomings of many processes, organizations, business models. If you know, think about uh, small businesses stepping up their web shops, but also larger businesses needing to think how to change their business model, how to become more digital. And all of that really bring in the end of the day, again, the CFO and the center spot of this. Um, this in most companies, the CFO is a kind of spearhead for digitalization because his business, so to say, is all about numbers. And um, as a consequence of all of this, I believe the, the role of the CFO to drive digitalization, um, to drive data, so to say, in the core of the business will even further grow. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. I've learned so much from all four of our esteemed panelists. I want to thank each of you individually. Kelly Herod, pleasure to meet you. Really appreciate all your insights. Kyle Cheney, also at Deloitte like Kelly. Thank you so much. Todd McElhatton at SAP. Pleasure to meet you, Martin Narashevsky. Come back anytime. It's been a long time and glad to have you back. And a shout out to the organizers behind the scenes who put this together. Malia Aguilar does so much work on these shows and we appreciate all your efforts getting everybody together and getting everything to me on time. Thank you so much, Malia. Carla Neal Slavin at Deloitte as well and Helen Tomas. Thank you so much for sponsoring this series. It's a pleasure and I hope our listeners around the world learned a lot. If you missed the live show and you're just tuning in, we're just about ready to wrap up, but you can go to voiceamerica.com and in the search box at the top, put in the Kinetic Enterprise. Let me spell that. K-I-N-E-T-I-C and then the word enterprise. You all know how to spell that. And the series will come up and take a look. There are several episodes. We have a lot more. The series will continue throughout the rest of 2020 and my prediction is even beyond. So there. So I'm going to say thank you to all of you and our message to the world is stay safe, be smart, be well. And thank you also to Aaron Keller, my engineer at World Talk Radio for always being there. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for the Deloitte Kinetic Enterprise podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.